The following is brought to you by Clockshelves Entertainment's sister show, MCU and Me, exploring the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from the beginning in release order, starting all the way back with Iron Man 1 and going through the various pockets of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from the films, TV series, then Netflix shows, and more. Check us out. It's MCU and Me, wherever you enjoy podcasts. to another episode of Buffyverse and Converse, going through the entire uh, Buffyverse saga. As always, I am Paul Casey, and this time I am joined by three incredible returning guests in no particular order. Please welcome back to the show, James, Bill, and Kiona. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hello. So, um, of course... Bill and Kiona were on previously together. Uh, James and Bill were on previously together, and I just did a quick introduction of uh, Kiona and James beforehand. Um, but I wanted to get you three on this episode. Uh, of course, Bill being a first-time watcher, James being a first-time watcher, and uh, Kiona being a little bit more experienced in the Buffyverse like I am, I feel this is a very uh, pivotal episode, and I would think... I mean, obviously, you know, based off of what's going to be one of my uh, fantastic facts, I think, uh, Bill and James, you know a little bit of uh, at least one of the things that I'm going to say. But um, so, James, very quickly, so like you were on um, the first episode, so you got to see like the introduction of Angel. Uh, Bill, I think you said you watched the first one. I know you weren't on that discussion, but you... I believe got to see the introduction of Angel and in a few of these episodes sort of in the meantime we've seen him and then we haven't seen him and whatnot um but obviously this episode sets up a very big plot point for the character of Angel um and realistically how that relates to pretty much everyone else on the uh the show so bill i'm gonna kick it to you first when i say um i know last episode i kept saying oh i can't wait for the next one i can't wait for the next right. one maybe i built it up a little too much but i'm curious we you were on a few sort of monster of the weeks ones and now mm -hmm. this one we got some mythology to it yes. how did you feel about this episode in comparison to some of the others i will go out on a limb not comparing anything but this could be my walkabout Buffy walkabout episode. Oh, where, where I, I, it's I, I got the hook. Okay, so for James, I know you're not a Lost fan, Kion. I think you watched at least most of it, if not all of it. I know we had that conversation previously because I thought at first you didn't watch any of it. But for mm -hmm. uh, anyone who isn't aware, uh, walkabout is the fourth the 
episode of Lost. And yeah, like Bill said, that's sort of the one that people are like, okay, I'm kind of giving this show a shot. And then that's sort of the one that almost any fan goes, this is the one that hooked me in and said, I mean, you know, made me say, I really want to keep watching this show. So that I, I really like that comparison, Bill. And I'm in, I'm, it's, I find it interesting that this is that episode for you. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. I mean, for to find out, because it was such a mystery up to this point, and to really lay it all out and actually, like, you know, to find out he's a vampire, number one, then to find out he killed his family, I guess. Yep. And he was a badass for 100 years. Um, <laughs> and he, he was uh, hooking up with the, uh, the, blonde, uh, the blonde one. Yep, Darla, yep. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So yep. it just—it was like it was chock full of stuff, man. So that being said, James, now again, you've been kind of in and out on a few episodes, very similar to Bill, but you got uh, the introduction of Angel when we first started the podcast. So how was this payoff for you? So, um, I knew he was a, a special being in himself. I didn't know that he was going to turn out to be a vampire. That, I will admit, kind of uh, shocked me a tinsy bit. I was like, oh, cool. He's a vampire. Like, And then now it's like, like it, it was it was an interesting twist. I honestly, like, I thought, like, oh, this show was, like, older. It's going to be cheesy. His name's Angel. He's going to be an angel and, like, help her fight demons. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, cliche. But... I was shockingly surprised to like learn that like he was a vampire, but it definitely gave me Twilight vibes. So that I, I <laughs> completely get that, of course. Now, obviously, as we all know, this came out before Twilight, and obviously, um, you know, Twilight being the big thing that it was, and then. Um, Vampire Diaries was on TV. A lot of people said that oh, they didn't want it to be like Twilight on television. Excuse me, and then they ended up doing certain things where you know the human girl falls in love with a vampire. Spoiler for that show, but it's pretty obvious. Um, now, I also <laughs> didn't watch um, True Blood, but I would assume there was that those sort of shenanigans on that show as well, right? You know, humans and vampires falling in love with each other and things. I do hey, like. Go ahead. I was gonna say in True Blood there was, but like there wasn't because it was more so like scrutinized and like people who like did like it was almost like a like a sin like oh like you were referred to as a fang banger okay mm. you like liked or wanted to sleep with like a vampire so like it was dumb but it was like like heavily like advised against and like shunned well i mean i'm not gonna say it's the same in this but it's obviously it's it's similar because as they say in the episode and and you know we'll get into it um so one of the big things it's not one of my uh my fantastic facts but one of the big things uh that we do discover uh mythology based in this episode is that angel is a vampire with a soul now i don't think up until this point it was really established in depth like this i think in the first few episodes they talked about the fact that um they the earth you know because at one point i think we talked about it in that podcast where uh giles says you know contrary to popular mythology which as i said in that podcast pissed a lot of people off um you know the earth wasn't originally a paradise Uh, demons ruled and then they got uh you know shunned away and stuff and uh one of them 
I think the mythology goes that one of them bit a human and that became the first vampire. Um, and then obviously we see uh, that there are other like demons and creatures and things uh, that are still around. And obviously that'll be something going forward. Um, but uh, in this episode, we get a little bit more about how um, Giles says it at one point where they have the memories and the personality and all of that of the the person that they were, but their their soul, their essence, their conscious, uh, you know, the Jiminy Cricket, if you will, is no longer there. So, like, there is no good redeeming qualities about them. Um, and, again, I can't speak for Twilight because I've never read nor seen it, and I also can't speak for... Um, True Blood, because I've never read nor seen those, but I know, again, I'm also a fan of the Vampire Diaries, and they have something in that where they have um, what's referred to as the humanity switch, where, of course, most of them, they don't, it's it's a different mythology in that show, and it's not a demon inhabiting the body, it's the, it's the person, but it basically brings out all of your, like, worst tendencies and heightens everything and so on and so forth. basically makes you almost like an animal. Um, but in this, they, they very clearly state that it is, uh, you know, a demon taking over your body. Uh, so the fact that he has a soul, um, you know, we, we hear the, the name Angelus um, at one point, which of course becomes a big thing later. I think Kiona can attest to that. Um, but uh, yep. <laughs> but um, so to find out that he is a vampire with a soul is definitely a a big plot point um, because. But this is uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but isn't this the gypsies gave him that curse because he killed one of the gypsy girls or something? Is and that's why yes. he's a vampire with a soul. Yes. See, I paid attention. Thank <laughs> Uh, yes, um, there are uh, future episodes where we get to, you know, obviously see a little bit more of that and, and you know, things like that. But yes, um, he, I don't remember exactly how it goes and I don't want to say something and then be proven wrong later. But yes, he, he did kill a, a gypsy girl and as his punishment, um, they performed a spell that put his soul, that gave him a soul. Yeah, right. And mm -hmm. uh, that is i mean they they say it here it's basically it's it's unheard of you know like giles says you know there's no record of of any vampire basically ever having a soul or or you know fighting on the side of good and and all that stuff so i definitely the vampire with uh, vampire with empathy yep exactly and i mean that sort of i don't think it's a spoiler to say that sort of becomes angel's calling card for pretty much the rest of his arc uh, Kiona, I think you can agree that's not too big of a of a spoiler, right? Is that basically that's like his tagline is he's the vampire with a soul. Yeah, that's the crux of his character arc and his development over the series. Yeah. An entire universe. Once and for all. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Discussed, analyzed, and dissected. Every pocket, every TV show, every film. MCU and Me, a podcast from Clockshelves Entertainment. Available now. Um, 
so before we get into the breakdown of the episode oh actually you know what let me let me say this so kiona um obviously you've seen it before but i think you were mm-hmm. like me you haven't seen uh buffy in quite a while i think we had the discussion where um yeah pretty much since all of the me too stuff came out about joss whedon we both had a, a kind of difficult time wanting to watch it again and whatnot so now seeing mm-hmm. this episode um how how was it for you to sort of revisit this pivotal episode well, this other than the season one finale is definitely my favorite episode of of the first season. Um, just the fact that it gives, you know, it gives Sarah Michelle Gellar so much to do, as well as David Boreanaz, obviously. Um, I also like the fact that this episode really just kind of shows how important uh, Julie Benz's character is, uh, Darla is to the show, which. We didn't really realize that because she's just kind of portrayed as a as a henchwoman to the master. Yep. So, yep. Um, so uh, my fantastic facts. Uh, actually, one of them has to do with Darla. So I will touch on on that in a moment. And I would definitely agree. It's probably one of. I don't know if it's my favorite of season one. I've, I haven't like really sat and thought about it too much, but I would definitely have to say it's probably, I mean, I know there's what only 13 episodes. So, um, but I think it's uh, like top three or so. It's pretty, it's pretty up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, my fantastic facts for this episode, uh, it took production about 60 to 90 minutes to apply the vampire prosthetics to David Boreanaz. Now, I commented oh, in a pre- oh, yeah I know I I was very blown away when I saw that too I commented in uh, I think it was one of the very first ones uh, James I don't know if you were on that one or not but um, they uh, kind of discovered early on that it was a little bit more difficult for some of them to say some some of the vampires to say certain things uh, the letter S being one of them. Um, with the with the teeth that they had for the vampires and and you know the makeup combination and things like that, so they ended up having to reconfigure how they did uh, all of the prosthetics and things. And so a lot of those sort of older ones that they had from like the first you know two three episodes, they would then just use on some of the background vampires, but ones who had more of a speaking role like Darla, Angel, things like that, they got sort of this newer version. And I mean, it kind of makes sense because he's such a pivotal character and you want his makeup to be exact. Um, and you don't want, you know, it's not like, uh, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to discount Darla or anything, but you don't want it to be, cause even though David Boreanaz in season one, isn't credited as a main cast member, like obviously he's incredibly, like I said, pivotal to the, to the series. So you want his makeup to sort of be the best there. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, and I, sorry, I think it's interesting too. I think it's interesting too that they actually really improved that the um, the makeup appliances and stuff like that as the series went on. Yes, and that's one the of those things. Process. I mean, I can't speak for because I don't watch um, The Walking Dead, but I've heard that they're really good with that. I know a lot of people have said the story of that show has kind of gone downhill. But one of the things that I've pretty consistently heard is that the makeup and special effects continue to improve each year. And so that's definitely a good thing that you would want for something like that. And to sort of see, and I mean, there are certain things that, you know, as we get much, much later in this, uh, in the Buffy verse, we can sort of talk about how, 
you know, by the final season, there were things that they could do that they could have never dreamed of doing in season one, even though it was just a few short years prior, um, even from episode one to episode seven, which this is how much they improved uh, that makeup, I think. True. Uh, it's I, I kind of like <clears throat> looked at like how many seasons there were and like the year it started compared to like the year it ended and like granted yes you guys are all older than me so like you guys were alive you know um well technically you were you were alive for this show too i mean you were teenagers or like at least kids in like the 1900s and i was like the 1900s top. he says <laughs> so, I, was, I was nearing social security age so don't worry about it <laughs> so with you guys being around that time like you guys i have to like watch it so if like me i kind of like pre like like oh this show ends about 2002 what movie came out in 2002 like oh so they should have good references to etc around this time frame so you know they should be able to like have better like cgis and stuff like that well there are certain and i mean it's it's in this show um uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch did it too, where those, you know, um, effects and things definitely developed over the years. But you'll see kind of as we go further and we hit 99, 2000, you'll see where everyone changed. And I think Bill and Keona, you guys can definitely agree with this. The Matrix changed how a lot of stunts were done, how a lot of special effects were done. And even in a show like this, you will definitely see that influence. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Uh, so my second fact is uh, this episode is obviously a major mythology episode that sets up events that we will see in years to come, both as flashbacks and later as callbacks to this particular episode. There are, I mean, it's way too many to list here, and especially because I don't want to get too spoilery, but there are so many lines of dialogue. Um, like I said, even just the, the concept of um, the the gypsy girl we get more about her we get more about um angel with or, well angelus at the time um with his family and you know all sorts of things like that like this is um this is sort of the episode that you know i don't want to say sets everything up but arguably sets up a huge chunk of not just angel's story but several other characters that we know and don't know just yet. Um, my third fact is that Darla dies in this episode. Um, of course, she was originally set to die in the two-part pilot when she was hit with holy water. Um, we may remember that she gets, I think it's Willow, throws holy water on her, and we see the smoke coming off of her face. She has her hands on her face, and she runs out. Um, screaming from the bronze and I believe it was in one of the commentaries where Joss Whedon said that originally uh, the character was supposed to die but they really enjoyed Julie Benz's performance so they decided to bring her back and uh, just use holy water as something that injures vampires instead of killing them. Um, other things we see that are similar to that of course are the fact that a cross or a crucifix doesn't um, kill them but it, uh, it can burn them things like that but basically taking their head off and staking them are like the things that uh, that can kill them now 
who did she in the in the pilot, the first scene of the pilot, I think. Did she just kill a random dude or Yes. Okay. It was actually it was an actor. If I remember my my mother and Ellsworth talking correctly, it was actually a guy who went on to be on one of the CSI shows. Okay. Um but yeah, cuz that's and I I said about it in that one um but really her character and and Buffy's character sort of mirror each other in this way and and of course that you know conflicts Angel a bit and I, I said it in that one but I'll reiterate it here the uh Joss Whedon has said multiple times one of the the kind of concepts behind Buffy was he wanted to subvert the idea of all of those you know 70s 80s horror movies with that little blonde girl that always gets killed in every horror movie. She runs down the alleyway and she gets trapped and killed by whatever the monster is and whatnot. And he sort of wanted to subvert that where if she runs down the alleyway, she actually takes out, you know, whatever it is that's chasing her. And that is, you know, it, it, we see it time and again in these first ones. And really we kind of see it throughout where nobody ever believes that, Buffy can do all of these things that she does, you know, in a, in a much later episode, there's a guy, I don't know if it's, I can't remember if it's a kid, but it's definitely a, a male. And he, he looks and he goes, but you're just a girl. And she, at one point goes, that's what I keep telling everyone, you know? And, um, so it was supposed to, like I said, subvert that. And realistically that opening scene of her where they're breaking of Darla, being her where they're breaking into the school of course we think oh the guy is going to take advantage of this innocent looking blonde girl and then it turns out that she's actually the the monster and you know she's the the vampire and takes him down sort of deal um and then my very last uh fantastic fact is that this episode was actually written by david greenwalt who uh, at this point in the series was a co-executive producer. Uh, he would go on to be an executive producer and, spoiler alert, co-creator of the spin-off series Angel. So the fact that he got to write this episode, uh, very important. Now, David Greenwalt would go on to do several other things, but I think before this, one of the ways that he sort of got the job on here was that he was um, a writer and kind of worked his way up on uh, the X-Files. So, and I've talked about this before, how sort of this series, amongst others, and we, you know, we've often said Fringe, um, you know, many other things where they would do an episode like this, a mythology-based episode, and then, you know, a Monster of the Week sort of thing. So, um, I think he definitely, he being David Greenwald, definitely knew how to balance that. And I think Joss Whedon has said um, at various points that in the early development of the show, David Greenwalt was very important on sort of doing, you know, making TV writing and, and finding that particular balance. Because although Joss Whedon had written things, uh, he wrote Roseanne, um, he had written some films and, you know, a lot of drafts on things and whatnot. He had never really like run a TV series on his own. So David Greenwalt was definitely um, very instrumental in helping that process. So the fact that he got to write such a pivotal episode is uh, a pretty big deal, I think. Um, but yeah, so those are my uh, my four fantastic facts for uh, this episode.
Well, hey, listeners, let's talk about Raw, reflecting and analyzing wrestling with Paul and Kyoto. It's the show where we go back in time and take a look at the first episodes of Monday Night Raw. 30 years in the making. It's Raw, reflecting and analyzing wrestling with Paul and Kyoto, a co-production of Clock Shelves Entertainment and Renegade Pop Culture. Um, so... Getting into sort of the plot of the episode, I know we don't like go beat by beat like I used to do on, you know, Lost with Friends or anything, but um, we see at the beginning the master sends, he says he's going to send out the three. And <laughs> go ahead. No, I was just, uh, yeah, the three, yes. <laughs> I just. Three inconsequential ones. Right. And that's the thing is like, he says it and we see, and it, like they go into what was obviously a commercial break at the time and whatnot. But upon rewatching this, I, every time I see them and he, you know, he says, Oh, I'm going to send out the three. I'm always like, who? Because. I think he dramatically pauses even when he says that. <laughs> and yeah. And like there, there's, there. Like you said, he dramatically pauses, he sets it up like it's this big thing, and then they go after, and they, you know, they they get beat off by, beat off, that sounded wrong, sorry. They get taken down by... Hey, uh, get you, get you. Hey. <laughs> That's a different version of, uh, of, of Buffy. Um, <laughs> but they get, they get uh, taken, off, taken down by, um, you know, by Buffy and Angel and whatnot, and then they, um, they, uh, they're just so I believe you just used the word Kiona inconsequential. Like they are just yeah. nothing. And then, I mean, I, and I'm not taking anything away from the character of Darla. I really like that character and what she becomes to the franchise. But at this point, she's arguably a second rate character and she's the one who gets to kill them. It's just such a letdown. I got to say every time I rewatch this. Yeah, so, I mean, when he said the three, I'm like, no, oh, they're toast. I said, as soon as he said the three, I'm like, yeah, the three <laughs> is toast. <laughs> so here's my thing. We kind of like referenced a couple of the other like shows that you know, like uh, Vampire Diaries, etc. Um, I did watch uh, True Blood, as I mentioned before, and one thing I wish they kind of did, maybe they do it like later, but I haven't really like actively noticed it now. There really isn't like a good demonstration of like the power system and or rankings of vampires. Like if Angel was supposed to be like this all powerful, like, you know, vampire who's around for like over five hundred years, like he should have been able to like solo the three like by himself, like without Darla having to quote unquote kill him, kill them. That would have been like a better feat to see. And like I feel like that would have left Buffy a little bit more like more curious, like you took down and beat all three with like your bare hands. Like what or who are you? Would have been like a better take in my opinion. But I don't feel like like the show really has like a, a good display, at least in the first season, of like rankings and like power systems to age like most vampires do. Like older vampires are typically substantially stronger well, than like so they the younger ones. I think they end up doing something. I don't think it's like a. I don't think it's like a ranking system. I definitely think they do that a lot later, where um, a lot of the older ones are more powerful. Um, but and I know you talked about this when we talked about the pack. You said about how the the zookeeper guy suddenly had the 
ability and strength allegedly of five hyena demon things so how could he not take buffy down or whatever um and i don't disagree um but i also don't think that because and it's gonna sound terrible and it's definitely a cop-out i fully admit that a lot of times it just ends up being based off of what is needed for the episode and i'm not saying that's okay but really that's what it ends up being is what is needed for the episode now there are certain characters we find out later um you know like i said there's um certain older vampires are more powerful uh i said before uh, you know in reference to the very first episode where they talk about what they what they come to call the old ones the you know original demons that ended up getting banished away from earth um, we get some some references to them and they are, you know, extremely powerful and, you know, other other creatures come about. But then you have other things. And this is way, way, way ahead. And I think this is going to make Kiona laugh. At least we have there's like a troll, but his power pretty much only comes from like his little hammer thing. Like he's not <laughs> powerful per se, but like his hammer, it's like kind of like. I don't want to say like Thor, but like, yeah, it's like the old Yeah. But like he, like, he's not powerful. He's not, I mean, he's a, we find out he's like a huge guy, but he's not like weak, but he's nothing really without his like hammer. So there isn't, like I said, there isn't really like a ranking sort of system. It just unfortunately depends on what's needed for the script most times. But they do sort of talk about that a little later on where they just kind of say, like, the more uh, the older you are, the more knowledgeable you are, things like that. Because there are um, some vampires that just sort of like run and hide, you know, they, they they're literally just trying to survive as they can. And I mean. It's, I said before about how, like, Vampire Diaries treats them sort of more like animals. And in this way, I guess the Buffyverse kind of does, where they're just trying to survive and do whatever they can. Whereas there are other ones who go out and say, like, I'm gonna do XYZ. I'm gonna take, de-. like, the master, you know, I'm gonna get a, a group of, of vampires and we're gonna, you know take down the earth and we're going to take down the slayer and we're going to do this and whatever. And obviously those ones, theoretically, I don't think they go into it too much, but like they would obviously train. They would, you know what I mean? Like do stuff like that. Like we see Buffy do in this episode where she has, and I mean, we see she has power, but we also see, you know, that she does train to be better at what she does. You know, and I think that's another another pivotal moment, too, that, you know, now that I've brought it up, I kind of want to ask you guys what you think, because like I said, she does. She you know, we do see her training and I think they've talked about it before, but I think this is one of the first times we like really see that um, the fact that the watcher Giles, you know, trains the Slayer Buffy in this case to, you know, hone her craft a little bit better. Yeah, I think you see in another episode where, like, I think, like, they're, like, sparring. It might have been, like, the Thor episode. And, like, you see them kind of sparring. Like, if he, like, he said something to my mom, like, oh, if, like, he would have hit me again, it would have done, like, a lot more damage. Or I might be, like, thinking of a different show. But I'm not so sure they were sparring 
another episode as well. Yeah, plus he said he had to step it up for Angel, right? Yeah. Or she had to step it up, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we see the three, um, and like we said, they're pretty much nothing. We do, I mean, the, the death of the three is supposed to be, uh, a lesson to this little boy, the anointed one who we saw, uh, you know, first time a few episodes ago. Um, and, uh, I mean... Really, I would say sort of some of the big plot in this episode, like I said, I don't I don't necessarily want to like break it down beat by beat, but some of the big plot points are they chase Buffy and Angel to her house. Uh, Joyce, Buffy's mother, finds them, uh, finds finds Angel, and then Buffy has to like act like he left and then he sleeps over, sleeps on the floor and you know she makes the point to say the next day in the library that he was a perfect gentleman. But we do see that uh, Angel is sort of hiding out in uh, Buffy's house and she gets freaked out that he potentially read her diary and, and she says about fantasies about the letter A or you know someone with A and she's like, oh, it's not about you and you know she freaks out whatever. This causes them to kiss, which causes him to show his true is that face. Like, is as, that like a vampire Darla thing says. where, like, what, what, like, does a boner cause that? What happens that you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, I don't want to say yes, but I don't want to say no mm-hmm. either. Because um, it was like some it's... kind of arousal thing, right? That but... he turned into a vampire. Yeah, well, so they talk about it a lot. And, like, so you you may notice that the Master doesn't ever do, like, a human face. Like, he's just always... And and there's, uh, in certain scripts, they talk about the fact that, like, he's just so old that that's just how he looks now, you know? Um, But they talk about it other times where, basically, the mask or the, the alter ego, if you will, is the vampire taking on the characteristics of the human because the vampire is their true form and they hide that by doing the human face, you know, which I think is why a lot of times when they are down in uh, the master's little like cave thing there, um, a lot of them just have the vamp face all the time because it's like, Oh, we can finally be ourselves. You know, whereas whenever they're around people, they have to whatever. Now, obviously, uh, Angel being the vampire with a soul wants to be closer to human uh, humanity. So he has, you know, the human face um, all the time. But yeah, it's it's kind of that. Um, obviously, it's not it's not just an arousal thing. Um, you know, uh, if someone had an open cut, that could basically whatever your heart gets pumping which I know is weird to say because, like, they're dead, but they're undead and whatever, but that's pretty much what it is. It's, like, whatever would get their heart pumping a lot would theoretically, because all of your blood is going elsewhere, whether it be, you know, downstairs like you were talking about or what have you, so it's almost like they sort of forget to put on the human mask, if you will. It's kind of like what happens when Angel sees uh, Joyce after she gets hurt by uh, Darla. And you can tell that he's tempted to to feed off of her. 
because he sees her blood. Yes. Yes. Um, now, the thing I thought of that was interesting, and, and I don't know if uh, Bill and James, you noticed it, but I, I you know notice it every time I rewatch, is that Buffy does say, when they're running from the three, Buffy does say to Angel, uh, you know, come on in or get in here or something like that. So she officially did give him the invite to come in because obviously that's always been a big thing in uh, in vampire mythology is that you have to be invited into someone's home. Um, so she definitely gave him uh, that invitation. And then, of course, uh, like Kiona just said, uh, Joyce, unfortunately, gives that invitation to Darla, um, which she then tries to attack Joyce uh, while Buffy uh, is trying to attack Yeah, I thought Angel. that was going to be a future episode problem, but since she, I think Darla's toast, so... Wait, you thought what was going to be a future episode problem? That Darla was invited in, so I figured some episode in the future, Darla was going to just be able to go inside, but I don't think she's around anymore, right? Well, that... Um, it poses... Not for her, but for other characters, it does pose an interesting question and problem later on. Basically, right. is what now Angel was uninvited, so does that mean he can't come in anymore? Unless he changes her mind. Right, but I guess he has to be back, invited back in now, since she uninvited him, or. Help me out here, Keona. What do that, I say? <laughs> I think that once once he's invited in, then the only way to stop that from to stop him from coming back in would be for Willow or somebody who has magical abilities or or able to cast a spell would have to cast like a they would have to cast like a ward or something to basically keep him out of the house. Yeah, that's. I mean, oh. pretty much that's 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 the plot point for a future. Wait, episode. Willow. Willow's the band camp girl. Yes. Oh yeah. Spell? Sorry, shouldn't have said that. But anyway, Ooh. Ooh. but that that does become a, a plot point for future episodes. Is that um, there are characters that unfortunately get invited, and then they have to solve the the question of what do I do now that I have invited, you know, a vampire or whatever into my home. And it's not just Buffett. There's other characters as well. You know, yeah. Honestly, it's not just Willow who could do it. It's also like Giles because he has the knowledge. Yeah. So it's basically anybody that has the knowledge would be able to to cast that spell because yeah. they would be able to just get the ingredients and whatnot. And as we as we've it, so. seen so far, um, between Willow and Xander, obviously Willow is much better with a lot of the research and things like that. So it would make sense theoretically <laughs> yeah. that. You know, if something were to come up second to Giles, she would probably be the one to to try to do something. You know, um, Cordelia could do it if she really wanted oh, to. Cordelia could do anything, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually do get to see Cordelia in this episode very briefly. Um, she uh, she hears. Uh, I think she hears Xander at one point say about Buffy, like, you know, you can't be in love with a vampire or whatever. And then he has to quickly change it to umpire. Um, and then she goes after someone else for wearing a, uh, 
a knockoff dress because she apparently has a one of the one of a kind dress. Um, but I think poor umpire always <laughs> always put on the same level as vampires. <laughs> um, but I think I could be mistaken. But I think in the previous one we didn't see uh, Cordelia. So of course, being a fan of her and Charisma Carpenter overall, it was nice uh, to see her come back here. Oh, was she not even in the pack? I think that's what we said. Oh my god. Wow, that would have been like a really good scene actually to have Hyena Xander at Cordelia. I think it was that just one. Just barbing each other. I mean, that would have been not really. But I mean, that would have been a really good like scene, I think. But, well. I agree. Um hmm. Yeah, you and I both know. Um <laughs> But uh <laughs> One of my favorite things about recording any of the shows that I do, like MCU and Me or Lost with Friends or even back when we used to do Wrestling Renegades, is finding out little uh, details about the people that we have on. Uh, And sometimes in the middle of those conversations, you get some very interesting details about who the people are. And of course, we try to present you with who those people are across the various Clock Shelves Entertainment shows. And one of the best ways that we do that is on our show, Polynol. It is where I sit down uh, with various people from all over the world, as I always say, and I just talk with them. And I, the, you know, no topic is too small on our show, Paul and all, as our intro says. And I would love if you would go and check it out, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, of course, you can find the links across all of our social media. And, you know, you could help us grow that show as well, because sometimes it's fun talking with the Losties or the True Believers uh, about things that aren't necessarily Lost or Marvel or wrestling or what have you. Um, Sometimes getting to know the people is what is the fun part for me. I am Paul. I am your voice of choice here at Clock Shelves Entertainment, and I host Paul and All. Go check it out. So yes, so this and so at this point now, Buffy thinks that it's Angel because they they, you know, obviously they don't think about Darla or any other vampires. Um, she thinks that it's Angel that has attacked her mother because they don't know about the fact that he has a soul. So she goes after him, and it's interesting to me, and I think it definitely speaks to Angel's character. And again, like we we sort of talked about what will become part of the arc for his character is that he's pretty much ready to die. Like he he kind of says in this episode that, you know, he's I don't think he really says like he's trying to atone for the things that he did. But I mean, I think that can kind of be gathered um, by just like the way that he talks about things. Um, But he seems pretty pretty ready to die when Buffy's, you know, has the the urge to kill him. So I thought that was interesting for his character that, and, and kind of in comparison to all the other vampires where obviously, you know, survival instinct would kick in. Whereas Angel with the soul, with the conscience, conscious, whatever conscience, um, he would, uh, he would, you know, basically be willing to to die at this point because of all of the things that he knows that he's done. Such as, and I think that's when he admits that he that's you know he's the one that actually killed his parents and all of that. 
We're going to see more, I assume, of him and the, uh, what's the chosen, not the chosen, what's the other guy's name? Not the chosen, the Niedermeyer from Animal House. The Master? The Master, yes. Um, they were supposedly hand in hand, so for the first hundred years, Angel was a bad dude. That, and that's, yeah, the master actually says that. He says something about the, the fact that uh, Angel was, you know, he's like, I miss him. And he says yeah. that he was, you know, the the worst creature. And he says it, like, in a nice way. But he says something along right. the lines of, like, oh, he's the worst creature I ever came upon and and all right. that sort of stuff. So so I'm guessing he, had, he got the gypsy curse 100 years after he became a vampire. Uh, something because like that. Because they say he's about 240-something years old. Right. Yeah. Right, and the and the the master said for the first hundred years he was his his sidekick, so he's like right hand man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I said, I I think that's I thought that was interesting, and I I one of the things that I that I always like in some of these early ones is how naive Joyce is to everything. You know, even in in the episode which. Um, James, I think you were on that one. Um, I, Bill, I don't remember if that was your first one on or if Teacher's Pet was your first one on, but, um, I, I really like how Joyce can hear over and over again or see all of these things that are, like, out of place. Like, in, in the episode Witch, Buffy says something about being, like, the Slayer or taking down vampires or witches. or she, she, she makes some sort of reference to something supernatural. And Joyce is like, what? And she's just like, oh, nothing. And she just kind of, like, shrugs it off. And in this one, like, Giles is there. And, you know, she's like, oh, the teachers at that school are so thorough. And, this, like, oh, my goodness. And, I mean, I get it. As humans, we kind of do that, right? Like, we don't want to see things you know, quote unquote, as they are, you know, we try to like make things make sense in our minds, but like, she just comes off as so naive every time I rewatch this. Very naive. Um, so, uh, James, I want to ask you sort of as the, as the youngest guy, uh, you know, in this discussion, the uh now again you said before you know you've watched true blood i know you've you've watched a lot of tv so i'm not even going to say like the um lovey-dovey stuff because that's kind of generic in most shows and whatever but the the clear i think it's clear at least maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong but the clear sort of conflict of angel here of his feelings towards Buffy and he clearly has some sort of past with Darla. Now, obviously it's a teen show. It was on the WB, which was like the teen drama network for, for as long as it was around. But I'm curious now as a guy in, you know, mid to late twenties and whatnot, looking back, like, you know, we've talked before, like you have teenagers and, and whatnot and knowing what you've seen in other shows, things like that, how do you feel about this? Like, do you think that they handled it well? Do you think it was too cheesy? And again, everything in this show sort of has that hint of cheesiness, obviously. We've talked about that many times. But I'm just curious how you think they handled, like I said, sort of this conflict of he has these feelings for Buffy, but he clearly has this past with with Darla. 
I mean, um, in a lot of cases, how I feel about it is like they're vampires. Um, vampires live a very long life. I mean, as humans, we are with our spouses or some of the other for uh, a lot shorter and people get divorced. So it's not too crazy or too like wild to go on them like, oh, you know, they've been together for like hundreds of years or 50, however many years they were together. You know, it's not too far fetched or wild that they could be together and then like he's no longer like, like, I don't want her no more. Like, I want, you know, Buffy. And or it could, it could be from like either love or because of, she's a younger, like he's an older guy, been around for hundreds of years. Like, why spend time with this old rundown thing? Like, get this new young, like, you know, layer, you know? Um, I do, I, I mean, I, I kind of, and, and Buffy even says that at one point when she says, you know, when she finds out Angel's approximate age and she goes, well, he did say he was older. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily that. Uh, I definitely think it's, it's, uh, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious. I think it's the fact that, you know, Darla's evil. He is theoretically no longer evil. Um, Kiona, what are you, like, kind of looking back, again, without being, like, too spoilery, because you and I know a whole hell of a lot more information than these other two folks here, but looking back on it, what do you think about sort of this um, conflict? What's that, James? If we binge watching, we could all be on the same page here. <laughs> but what do you? What do you um, think, so Kiona? what do I think of? So what do I think of like Angel and Darla's relationship? Well, just sort of. I mean, so at one point, like when he, so Angel sees her. One of the the main scene that I'm that I'm sort of thinking about is when Darla shows up and she's talking to Angel, and she mm-hmm. says he says something about the last time I saw you, it was kimonos. And not schoolgirl outfits. And she says something along the lines of like, I think this is what you like now or whatever. And they talk and there's clearly like there's clearly history there. And even- they throw in a lot of hints. Yeah, yeah, they throw in a lot of hints to their history there. And um, and I think that it's a good starting point for the the mystery of who Angel is and why does she call him Angelus? And, uh, you know, like, why why is the master so almost fond of, of Angelus, at least, for Angel? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say too much because... I got you. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that, like, it's, it's interesting the way that they, they just layer it in there. And I think uh, it's really Greenwald and, and Joss Whedon, you know, just kind of... Doing pulling a Claremont and just kind of throwing a little plot seed in there and just saying, you know, here's a here's a little thing to entice the audience and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. Um, so of course now, Bill, again, just like I said, James has, I mean, he has teenage boys, but you have girls, um, so sort of you have that, you know, father of girls perspective of this. Sort of, and I mean, you were a guy. You you get women like crazy, so you had to have had this sort of conflict too at some point, right? Where it's like the 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 old flame who, well, depending on your outlook, the old flame who's the evil one, but I still sort of have a thing for versus you know the new one and and whatnot. So I'm just curious, sort of your take on on how they set this up here in this episode. 
Um, how do I say? Yeah, I mean, I could see where that's a conflict, and um, but obviously she has more feelings for him than he has for her. So, um, and he's she's more of a, a temptress, a temp tempstress. Is that the word? Temptress, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to him, then uh, I don't think he has any interest in um, rekindling any past uh, flame. Plus, plus the fact that he's, he, that it's not clear if that's prior to his uh, soul uh, recollection or, you know, was it before he had a soul or after he had a soul that he was with her? Do you actually want me to answer that, or were you just rhetorical? Uh, oh, there is an answer. Oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, there definitely, uh, definitely is is an answer to that. Um, yeah, so I, I'm assuming it's prior soul, because she's pretty soulless. So, well, <laughs> well, they're all soulless, but except for him. But, yep. Um, but so yeah, so when uh, when Buffy and Angel are sort of having it out. And like I said, he, he seems like he's very uh, prepared for death. Um, he even says he didn't bite Joyce, but he comments on the fact that he wanted to. Um, and I'm going to read right from Wikipedia here. The Slayer lays aside her crossbow and slowly offers her throat to him. Suddenly, Darla emerges from the shadows with a pair of pistols Hearing gunfire, Giles, Willow, and Xander rush in and distract Darla. Looming up from behind, Angel stakes Darla through the heart. And I think even just the, the scene that we were just talking about where, like I said, he, you know, oh, last time it wasn't kimono, or last time it was kimonos, things like that. And Kiona said they, they layer in so many things in that, which, as I said, in Can one... Can I interject just a quick second? What's that? Can I interject one yeah, thing yeah, really yeah, quick? Can we discuss how and why Darla shot like 80 rounds from two Glocks that probably had only 12? <laughs> so I'm going to throw I'm going to throw you my my signature line from Lost with Friends that I always used to say, which in that series it was this is a world where a smoke monster exists. So, you know, so in in this I'm going to say this is a world where vampires and she mantises and hyena demons exist. So, you know, like I, it's suspension of disbelief sort of thing. I think <laughs> I'm an avid, avid gamer. And I also watch my fair share of like TV. I will, I will admit. And I was like, yo, she's shooting a lot of bullets <laughs> and she hasn't reloaded <laughs> once. Like I don't know if this is like a magic gun, but I just want to know like what, like can I get one that like you get unlimited ammo? Like this is this is crazy. Like she had hacks, like literal hacks. She put cheat codes in and shot infinite blocks. She did. Like, I was just gonna say, man. She did the unlimited ammo code. That was it. <laughs> I think what it was was David Greenwald was just a big fan of John Woo movies, and in those movies, especially like Hard Boiled and A Better Tomorrow, like guys just don't reload. So, yeah. They just threw that in there. By the way, can I just say that I I, I just freaking love the fact that, you know, we had Darla there just like, you know, just dual wielding pistols, which I just thought was hilarious. 
well, and great. It's, I mean, yes. Um, in such a cheesy way. And they, they make it a, a point later on uh, many times over because it's kind of a political thing, but I'm not going to get into it and whatnot. But, you know, the show takes on a very um, anti-gun stance because like that realistically seems like the obvious answer to a lot of their problems right is like why don't you just why don't why don't you just shoot the the demon hyena why don't you just shoot the she mantis you know like all of that mm-hmm. sort of stuff and they 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 end up talking about it multiple times how like it's just it's not practical for what these things are there's obviously magic involved now i totally get what james is saying like it that part it and i mean again it's a show with vampires and things like that so it's already unrealistic but the the gun thing that she did was very unrealistic um but they definitely set it up later how just the whole thing with guns in this are pretty much useless in general anyway Maybe that's why. Maybe it's just because like they did this one sequence and they were like, well, okay, we're not doing it anymore. Because this is just too much. I mean, but guns are very useful. Like, I mean, if we're talking about vampires, the werewolves, or vampires in general, and mythical beings, everybody loves Blade. Everybody loves Underworld. Like, they make using guns and being vampires cool. Oh, I agree. Yeah. In, um, in the Vampire Diaries, they make very good use out of... Uh... The concept of wooden bullets, because it just makes sense. Um, but like I said, for for some, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say mostly political reasons, and take from this what you will. I think they just sort of took a very big anti-gun stance very early on in the show, and so for whatever reason, I think it was just sort of to show here that it just doesn't work, no matter how many unlimited. Uh, bullets you have <laughs> they'd, they'd be pretty short episodes if that were the case right. if you just run in their guns blazing um the uh once again i'm going to read right here from wikipedia the very last uh, paragraph says in their hellmouth lair colin which is the anointed one consoles the master for his loss of darla at angel's hands spying angel across the crowded room at the bronze because one of the things i think was really funny at the beginning of the episode they had the they were having the pre-fumigation party <laughs> and then at the episode they're having the post-fumigation party um <laughs> and if you if you ki- party your cockroaches yes if you if you killed a cockroach or some sort of thing at the beginning you got a free drink i just think that's a really interesting concept that uh, james i think you can agree a lot of places <laughs> around here would probably benefit or actually they'd probably lose a lot of money from um but oh man <laughs> you guys kind of cutting out there what, what was that oh i said i think you can agree jo- jokingly i said i think you can agree that uh if a lot of the places around here sort of did a hey if you kill a bug that's here you get a free drink i think a lot of the places would very quickly go out of business around here oh man. <laughs> <laughs> um that's one way to have a good night <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it says Buffy goes to thank him and they agree not to get involved as it could be dangerous for both of them as they deeply kiss one last time Buffy does not notice that the cross she is wearing the one Angel gave her weeks ago at their first meeting is scorching his chest 
Now, of course, very, very pivotal scene, because like I said earlier, with the holy water, with Darla, we see here that a cross, once again, does not kill them. Uh, you hold one up, they like flinch a little bit, but he willingly puts himself through this burning pain just so he could kiss her. It, you know, sort of leaves the, the imprint, the branding, if you will, on his chest. Um, we also get, because it's, you know, typical whether we want to say like Whedon-esque or, you know, what have you, we get that levity with the character of Xander, you know, looking away and saying, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. Uh, you know, as long as they're not kissing. And of course, Willow notices instantly that they are kissing and that it's very passionate and whatever, but she doesn't want to alert him of this because of his feelings for Buffy and whatnot. But just, uh, the overall, like I said, sort of levity in that mo in that very serious moment. But, uh, that is how we end this episode. Um, I definitely feel that this sets up, like I said, a lot of things. I think it was nice to sort of get a, a heavy mythology episode here. Um, I don't think it quite scratches the itch that James wanted from the concept uh, in the pack where he said how he kind of wished that the hyena demon zookeeper guy would have maybe continued into the next one. But we do see Angel has or had a bad side and he gets to live. Obviously, Darla doesn't, but Angel gets to live. So that could definitely play itself out in a future episode. Um, Hello, all listeners of Clock Shelves Entertainment. I am Jacob, known as the Streaming Demon over at Renegade Pop Culture. Need distraction from all the chaos in the world? Well, so do we. And that's why we discuss all kinds of media that we love. Movies, cartoons, music, comics, games, you name it, we cover it with giving respectful, honest, and enthusiastic perspectives. Find us on Podchaser, Banana Meter, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Or hop over to RenegadePopCulture.com. Renegade Pop Culture. Need escape? So do we. But like I said, I think it was a very, very nice change of pace we had some monster of the week ones we get this very heavy uh, mythology episode here um so i thought it was a nice change of pace uh bill james i hope the two of you enjoyed uh getting to know a little bit of the history of angel here because you guys have kind of like i said been following this for most of these episodes now so i hope you guys liked uh that concept yeah. i enjoyed this episode very much Fiona, I hope you liked, uh, you know, getting to uh, rewatch and join us here for uh, the discussion of Angel. Uh, like I said, I, I knew it being a very pivotal one that I, as and, and Bill and James, I really hope you don't take this the wrong way. But obviously, with you two being the first timers, it, I, I wanted to hear the opinion as well as the two of you of someone who, you know, has seen it and is able to sort of reflect back on what this sets up so kiona thank you for uh being on here and i hope you you liked rewatching this because like we said much like myself you haven't really been you haven't really rewatched buffy in quite a while for uh very specific reasons unfortunately yeah yeah um yeah it was definitely fun going back and rewatching this episode i think that it it definitely frames a lot of the rest of the show in such a way that uh you, you don't really realize when you first see it so 
So James, you were muted when I had said about you know you and Bill being on, and you know I hope you liked getting the the a little bit of discovery about Angel. Did you are you able to unmute and say something, or did you not want to? So I mean, it was interesting. Um, I guess like my thing overall and or as a like whole is maybe I should have watched this particular series like first because in my mind now that I watch it. I compare a lot of like what we have now, or rather what I've seen now, compared to like a lot of stuff back then. Like, oh, they could have did this. Like, oh, why didn't you? Like, I feel like if this show gets like a revamp, they can do it so much better than like what it is currently. I, they, I definitely think they could. I think they've, there's been talks of that over the last few years. Um, I think in the comic books, they have sort of rebooted it where it's a lot of the, you know, it's the high school days and things like that, but it's set in modern times. Um, I think one of the biggest flaws, for lack of a better word, upon watching something like this with that sort of modern day lens, and I think we talked about it previously, I think it was one of the very first comments that Bill made on his very first episode, is you very quickly notice not a cell phone in sight, you know, there's... there's uh, obviously the clothing, things like that, but um, definitely with the way that technology has advanced, with the way that communication has advanced, with the way that, I mean, even vampire mythology has advanced, you know? Um, James, I think you referenced Twilight earlier. Um, I've, I said before about uh, the Vampire Diaries. You're going to have to help me out here if it's the same in True Blood, but I know in at least Twilight and Vampire Diaries, there are uh, certain, whether it be magical items or whatever with the mythology of the concept of vampires, that uh, they are able to walk around in the daytime. I don't know if it's that way on True Blood, but I know in both Twilight and Vampire Diaries, they have those, those concepts. So that's one of the biggest sort of things. So to go over True Bloods, theirs is a, um, which you, it's like a spoiler for like those who don't know or didn't watch it, but um, within their show, there are like a lot of mythical beings and fairies being one of the mythical beings. If a vampire drinks a fairy's blood, depending on how much he consume, he or she consumes, they can roam in the daylight um, and will have like a zero effect. And or if like, if you drink drink the blood of like Lilith, the vampire goddess, like you get like temporary like immunities, like almost like everything. Gotcha. To a degree. Gotcha. So like if you drink vampire Jesus' blood, basically, you know, you're and I mean, you're okay or if you drink and from a fairy. I'm not gonna lie, and I think Kiona can attest to this. I'm not saying there's anything like that per se, but a lot of that stuff definitely gets developed later on in this series, like you know, the concept of, you know, what can and can't vampires do, you know, like we hear even in this episode in particular, Angel says uh, how he has not, you know, drank from a human, but we see, you know, blood from like the blood banks in his refrigerator, you know, so they definitely play around with it. And I'm, and what I mean is, realistically and, and James I totally know what you're talking about because I remember when I when I watched this the very first time I think I had maybe seen 
the first season of Vampire Diaries. And then I kind of stopped for a while. And then I got into this and I was like, oh, I really like this. And then going to another show that has its own sort of vampire, you know, supernatural creature mythology it's it takes a little bit because it's like well wait a minute but vampires could do this and it's like oh no wait that's in this thing over here it's it's star wars versus star trek sort of thing you know what i mean where these things are accepted over here but over here they're not you know uh uh what have you um but uh i i think that it's just a matter of sort of the evolution of the mythologies over the years, because if we realistically, if we look back to the original Dracula novel, if we look back to the Nosferatu film, you know what I mean? Like things like that. This is very different. I remember seeing a thing and I'm, this is years back before I met any of you. Uh, when I was like first on Facebook and basically only my family was, was on there and I was posting things that I thought were super witty. And I, I saw a thing that said that in original vampire lore, uh, if they ever ran into a large group of something, vampires had to stop and count them. So people would often put, if they thought somebody was going to come back as a vampire, they would put bags of rice somewhere near like the gravesite because they wouldn't be able to, the vampire had to stop and count each individual piece of rice. I think that's a really, really dumb thing. But I jokingly said I would watch the hell out of that Twilight movie, you know. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so like, but it's. I think I think they even used that in uh, X Files once. Really? Yeah, I think so. But like, it's just that thing of like that's how, you know just the the evolution and it's not just va- i mean it's anything whether it be werewolves or you know uh, a frankenstein monster or witches or whatever they all have their own individual um you know mythology sort of thing like i said in this one it's the concept that they're all demons and you know they don't have a soul or a conscience and of course angel now as we saw is uh is the only one um but like I said, I'm I'm very glad that I got to have you three on this episode. Um, did we have anything else we wanted to talk about with regards to the episode, Angel, uh, before we get out of here? In my opinion, the master seems very, like, I guess he's, like, I guess grooming the, the vessel or the kid to be, like, this ultimate weapon, but, like, it's giving me very like almost like he's like trying to raise it as if it's like his own kid. And it's like he it's making the mask look soft. Like you're this supposed feared vampire, like one of the oldest like around, and like he just seems so like frail and like old. And, like well, he doesn't he doesn't give like powerful vampire vibes to me. Well, we you have to remember, I don't uh, it was in I think it was in the episode The Harvest. I think it was between the episodes uh, Welcome to the Hellmouth and The Harvest. They they touched on it where he is weak. Um, even though he's old and theoretically he should be powerful. Um, we saw in one of the episodes where he kind of puts his hand out and there's that really like cheesy special effect to sort of show the barrier. because And they talked about it in, I can't remember which episode, but basically what happened was... Um, he was he and his followers 
were in a church, a mission, as they call it. Um, they were in a church and they were performing some sort of like ritual thing and an earthquake happened at the same time and sort of swallowed them up. And so he is sort of stuck in this mystical, like he's there, but he can't leave the little like bubble that he's in. And he is sort of weak because he was in the middle of this ritual sort of thing. That's why in the episode, The Harvest, he has to... Um, he, he has the vessel, which is Luke. He puts that symbol on his forehead and any, uh, anything that Luke, like any, any blood that he drinks powers up the master. And then of course, when, when Buffy takes down Luke, he kind of loses all of that power again. But that's why like Darla and the three and all of them can sort of go freely, theoretically into the rest of the world. But he's there because he is sort of weak. And he is sort of mentoring the anointed one. I get what you're saying, like, in terms of being soft, not necessarily weak. Of course, those, you know, if you understand the difference between those two, which I know you three do, but talking to the other listeners. Um, But I think it's just more of uh, he is sort of weak, but I think because he also knows that for whatever the next part of, like, this thing that's building he needs this anointed one to sort of carry that whatever the the torch is for sort of the next phase of this ritual that he eventually wants to continue now i have one quick question to close it out um buffy's the chosen one is is this the only vampire bunch in town i mean is she the chosen one just with the zip code, or are there other, like, vampires to be beaten somewhere else? There are other vampires and other creatures, but she is the only chosen one. She is the, she is the Slayer. She's not, like, the Slayer for Sunnydale. Like, she is the Slayer. Okay. Um, one of the things that they they kind of established again i think it was in the first like episode or two is that that town sunnydale is built on top of what they call a hell mouth which is like a a gateway to hell a a supernatural hot spot sort of thing so it attracts a lot of creatures so Mm -hmm. you know she's there and she's battling them and whatnot and i think they even say in in these early ones and i know it's i'm going to spoiler alert it's established later on there are other hellmouths around the world spoiler sorry but um but like she's there fighting them and but there are definitely like there are vampires like in new york and chicago and florida and whatever it's just she lives there and because they have a hellmouth that's why we're sort of focusing on her here so she wasn't transferred there because she was transferred there. She had to leave another place. So she wasn't placed there for any intentional reason. Um, one could argue, perhaps. Um, I'm going to say hesitantly no. Mm-hmm. But there are there are some things. So like, okay, again, not to get too much into it, but like, so we know obviously Giles has access to all of these things, 
right? Like all of these books and all of this research and whatever. And he has this, you know, like this knowledge. And I think he even says in one of the previous ones where he was told uh, at a certain point, because Buffy says that she was, you know, told, oh, you're going to be the Slayer. And he said that he wanted to do something else with his life, but he was told, no, you're going to be a Watcher. So I'm just going to say this. It stands to reason that he got all of that from somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. So strings might be being pulled, but I'm going to hesitantly say no as the answer to your question. Okay, I'll buy that. Kiona, would you agree with all of that that I just said? Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm trying. I'm trying to definitely. walk a very fine line. I can't, I can't line. disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, because you know it's it's. <laughs> let's just say it's it's addressed. Yes. Yes. Um. And let's. I'm also gonna say this. So like. It may also stand to reason that even though Buffy has these powers, that doesn't mean there aren't other people who have taken down vampires you know she's going to school and maybe in new york somebody you know that same day took down a vampire you know what i mean that's entirely possible okay um did we have anything else before we uh head out of here though guys I am absolutely I have to say before I before I open that up to actually let you guys answer that question. I I love the fact that like Bill like these are the questions you're asking, James like you're making comments about like you know, this mythology versus that myth like I I I'm going to be I'm going to be selfish and say I think I'm getting you two into this show. <laughs> well, I'm I'm watching it. <laughs> Yeah, both are uh, both of you are bringing up very salient points. I will say, like it's 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 interesting. You're, I I think a lot of that gets addressed at least in some way. In agreement with Bill, like I am watching it. Like, of course, we live in the the binge era of things where like people don't sit and wait to like watch a show. Like Stranger Things just came out, and almost ninety percent of the world already watched all of it already. You know, mm. so. For it to be, for me to have to like wait like once a week, um, for to like watch an episode, like I, I, I and Paul, know like the other you know guests here as well don't know me as well, but I watch anime and I don't even wait weeks to watch my anime. I'll like wait till it's over, and I'll like watch just binge watch it all like right then and there. So like for someone who's as much of an anime nerd as I am, like it's. It's like killing me trying to like watch it like and not just binge it and like learn what I can and just see like what each character is about and like what they do. Like I want to get to the bottom of this like series, like, all right, so here's what happens. Like I want to see what she can do as like the slayer because like again, referencing other shows and series that like, you know, came out like Buffy, I guess you could say was like groundbreaking for its time. I give it its I'll take off my hat to Buffy because she definitely opened up a lot of doors to, like, stuff that really wasn't going on back then. But, like, I guess she has, like, high, I, like, she has, like, big shoes to fill for, like, my excitement because I like this genre. 
So I want to really like binge it and watch it so I can see like what she can do or like what can she bring to the table that will excite me. Is my thing. Does that make sense? It does, and I, yes. I do want to say, I mean, and this is a conversation, you and I have had this conversation many times, because he'll say to me, uh, you know, yeah, I watched like two, and I'm just like, and I said to him, I'm like, dude, and I wasn't, I, James, you know, I, I, I love you, I was not trying to be rude when I said it, but for me, and this is just me, and maybe other people have a different idea of it, there, it's, it's sort of, like I said, it's the integrity of, of the podcast, you know what I mean? And like I have I've like with with MCU and me with Lost with Friends, um, you know, various things. It's there's there's like a reason that I'll say, you know, hey, you for this or, you know, whatever. And it may be someone's favorite episode or someone's least favorite episode. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's who's available. That was definitely a thing with uh, with Lost with Friends for for a while. But, um, you know, I try to have it where each person that's on ha- there's a specific reason why that person is on and so james with you being the first time watcher like i said you're like the same almost the same age as the show just slightly older like to me that's one of the things that you bring to the table and that's one of the reasons that i'm like please don't binge it because you know of those reasons i just said and same with with bill you know what i mean like you have your particular point of view and you've never watched it and you know what i mean so like it's like that's why i'm i keep saying oh bill you know want to be on again oh james want to be on again kiona has seen it many times probably read just as much if not more than me on on this show and you know many other things by a lot of the writers and things like that and so you know i i like hey you know you have a knowledge like i do of both what happens what happened and the goings on behind the scenes so can you be that voice for the for the show you know what i mean so that is why for you three in particular i continue to invite you back i appreciate you know, James, especially, I appreciate that you are not uh, that you're that you're holding it in so much because I know because again, this is a conversation we've had many times off mic. I know it's very difficult for you, so I do appreciate that you that you don't binge it and that you are doing this uh, for me, um, Bill. I appreciate that you are also giving this the chance because I think, like you said before we started, um, there is so much to watch now, and so the fact that you're taking the time to uh to watch you know these last few it's been in order but sort of random episodes of this show that you're you know not 100 percent on board with yet to uh to you know to come talk to me i appreciate it and of course kiona um you know obviously you have like your own network going on uh with all of the creative stuff that you do and you have you know your job and everything else and obviously like the other two a whole lot of other tv to watch so for you to take the time and re-watch this thing I am very appreciative. So I just want to say uh, thank you to all three of you um, for being on here and discussing this with me. Um, but if we don't have anything else, uh, James, Kiona, Bill, where can they find you uh, all across the internet? Bill Cobb or anywhere you want to go. B-I-L-L-K-A-V-A. Um, so for me, uh, you can find me at Kiona Tang on Twitter. That's K-E-O-N-A-T-A-N-G. Um, you can also find me on renegadepopculture.com. 
Uh, that is where a lot of my work is, a lot of my podcasts and a lot of uh, articles and stuff with all of my friends. Uh, that's where all of our stuff is. Um, there uh, you will find links to our podcasts on Anchor, on Spotify, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, I should say. Um, and uh, you can also find us on YouTube now. We just started up a YouTube channel. We only have two videos on it, but, you know, we're working towards uh, getting that going as well. So um, it's two video game centric episodes in case you guys are interested. So that would be just search for Renegade Pop Culture on YouTube. And you can find me, uh, Jameson Taylor, on Facebook, Instagram, and my TikTok. I believe it's also Jameson Taylor. Uh, Twitch is BLKBAST29. That is where you'll find me streaming gameplay and or talking about anime. Nice. Of course, I am JPGRB on Twitter and Instagram. You can find more about all of us at Clockshelves on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. Um, check out what James is doing. If you Again, if you like nerdy stuff like this, you will enjoy his content. If you like video games and, like Kiona said, a lot of the you know sort of nerdy geek you know, geek is chic, as we all know, uh, stuff. Definitely check out Renegade Pop Culture uh, when they do live videos. I try to stop in there a lot. Same with James when he's uh, streaming on Twitch. I try to stop in as much as I can. Bill Kava goes to a lot of conventions. So um, although he is not necessarily creating the, uh, the nerdy, geeky content, he is definitely taking it all in and going to meet the people to then tell me how they actually are in real life. So uh, definitely go <laughs> check out Bill on all of his social medias. And if you really like bagels, Bill is your guy, 110%. Yep. So, uh, bagels and places. <laughs> yep. uh, so once again, guys, thank you all for being here. Um, uh, I, again, I greatly appreciate it. I hope everyone listening uh, enjoyed, and I hope overall we had a fantastic time talking about the Buffyverse here on Buffyverse and Converse. So long, everybody. Uh-huh.